What's up, former party people? This is Jerry, you know, the one who actually combs his hair on the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Now, if you're finding value in listening to the AIFA podcast every week and you want to support sharing it with others, we invite you to become a sustaining monthly or per show contributor. Go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. It's super easy and it only takes a quick moment. It's about as easy as buying one of those pre-cooked space chickens from the grocery store, taking it outside, giving it a big old kiss, and kicking it into traffic. (laughs) Why would you do that? Anyway, you do you, and I'll do me. Again, go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. And with that, people, let's start the show. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. Welcome back to A is for Alcoholic, the the weekly podcast (laughs) where me and my friend, my friend and I, me, I, my friend and I, my friend Jerry and I talk about our... That's gotta get out of that loop, man. Our, our crippling alcoholism and our Boom. subsequent recovery from alcoholism that has led us to sit around and talk about drinking. So yeah. basically talk, nothing's while changed. While not drinking. While not drinking. Nothing's changed, yeah. Except, yeah the only thing that's changed is we're not drinking. And I, right. was, I, I like to make the machine gun noise. Brah! Mm. Brah! That's like a, oh no, that's not from the MAA song. That's where she clocks the gawk. The clock, 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 clocks the clocks Glock. the Glock, and then the cash register opens up. You know that? Oh, song, it's Paper it's Planes? like yeah. Oh yeah, that's a fucking great song, great sample. I remember putting it on the jukebox once in the Viking in Seattle. We we're in the bar, mm-hmm. and these two guys were like, oh, "Fucking!" These two hipsters were at the bar with their beards, and they were like, "I fucking hate this song." And they were talking all this shit, and I was like in love with that song, so I went over there and put like two bucks in and played it like eight times in a row. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that night? Maybe. Just kept vaguely. Bum, 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 bum. And then it would, like, the song would end, and then it would just start back up again. Yeah, and those two dudes left. And I was like, fuck you. That's some passive-aggressive Northwest chill right there. It's a great song, man. It's a great fucking song. Uh, there's a great remix, and I wish I could tell you which one, but, like, it's really, really good. They used to play it at, like, at the bar I worked at. The DJs would play it a lot. And this is, like, 2000 and, mm-hmm. was that nine? Eight or nine? Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't have brat in the brat. background. That's more like uh what's that dude um uh Y YZ? Who's YZ? I think his name. I think it's YZ. No, it's not YZ. Anyway, he's a rapper. He's like a crip from like Compton or something and he does a lot of songs about drug deal just like basic gangster rap shit. And there's mm-hmm. always a dude in the background that's like brat pop pop <laughs> And that's just, it is, I've always, I don't know, man. I'd enjoy it. I would love, I'd like, yeah, enjoy it. I'd love to hear like a, just an indie rock band just have that in the background. Like Mumford and Sons with their mm-hmm. fucking u- ukuleles and little tin tambourines. And then just some dudes like, Brah! <laughs> with all their mason jars or candles and shit and mason jars and little banjos. And then some fucking dude with a big ass beard just and overalls. Brah! Brah! So today is D for don't drink or deep dream or that. Do you know about the deep dream stuff? No. Is that a PS4 game? No, uh, but they basically take, they've been teaching computers for a while now to like search for faces and things, but it's like this weird psychedelic. If you go to Reddit and you go to like our deep dream, Mm -hmm. they'll like take photos and then there's like find weird bugs. And if for some reason it's learning to find bugs and dogs faces and it's just very strange. Oh yeah. That's why I don't do mushrooms at all because I've seen Mm -hmm. that and I saw shit like that. Not similar to that when I did mushrooms last time I did mushroom, ate mushrooms, which was got over a decade ago. God, almost 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the last yeah, time, yeah, for me, it was 1998 that I did anything psychedelic. I don't even no. think I could yeah. do it in sobriety. Like, I know we've talked to people in the past, and I know mm-hmm. people who are in recovery who take psychedelics, and I'm just like, and I've had people I've worked with who've been like, yo, you need to eat mushrooms. It'll open up your mind. And I'm like, no, man, I don't want to feel, I don't want to freak out. But that's part of it. You need to freak out. I'm like, I don't need to freak out. I'm already freaking out about shit. Right. I don't need extra freak on top of my out. Thank you. <laughs> I just feel like that part of my life is is finished. Any any sort of 
idea that I would right that I would want to get high or expand my mind and maybe that's naive and maybe that's narrow-minded and maybe that's but I'm just like not interested in that you know it's all about what your boundaries are right once again you know like so if that's part of your boundary well then people should respect that but whatever man everybody's got Mm -hmm. an opinion everybody wants to tell you how to do the shit you need to do and so welcome to the podcast welcome to the podcast yeah exactly we talk about we're two guys telling you how to do shit i guess but i'm not telling no i don't want to tell you how to do it i'll just tell you how i did it well i and as i tell you how i do it currently and how it's constantly changing for me you know um Mm -hmm. when i i i think about like so i went to a meeting for the first time Physically walked into the building. Huh? I didn't walk into a building. It was in the park. Oh, you out out in the park. So it was out in the park. There was only about a <laughs> bunch dozen of people. drunks in the park, <laughs> basically. So, yeah. so um, and I so here's the here's the thing too. Um, I feel like there's so we're breaking all kinds of anonymity here, right? Because we're meeting in a public mm-hmm. place. There's like yeah. dudes were smoking weed and doing bocce ball. Like it kept wafting over. People are joking. Like up. Oh, Guess we need a new sobriety date. <laughs> like Right, exactly. Yeah. Um but I feel like <laughs> so we went and everybody's kind of separated on the the park benches and or not benches but like the picnic tables and people have brought their own chairs and I might do that too. Um and it was cool to kind of just go and the woman who had the 5-year chip before me that I now have was there and so it was cool to see her and um, you know, we st- we stood in a circle six feet apart and, you know, said the, did our, did our prayer and stuff like that. <sighs> yeah. And like, I feel like AA is beginning to more and more. I mean, ever since we started doing this and we've kind of wanted to be very careful about how we talk about it. And we talk about the importance of anonymity, even though it's kind of silly to talk about the importance of anonymity on a podcast, but I feel like it's evolving in ways it's being forced to, right? You know, you go into a Zoom meeting yeah. and if you're not if you sign up for the Zoom account, you're going to put your first name and your last name and then it's going to pop up on the screen and maybe you're not so savvy to know how to do that or to black out your video so you're just kind of popping in to listen and so there's all these there's all these weird technological things, not to mention now people are meeting in public spaces. And I would I would argue that the information that I've gathered in this program is too valuable to be stuck in some weird secret cult type thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's just my personal opinion, right? I mean, don't take my experience as as a fact that the that the program works. Don't take the person who went in and relapsed three days later as experience as a, as a fact that the program doesn't work. Yeah. So the program itself, I feel, is just a it's just a book. It's just words in a book. And it's a it's a you you have to you have to give it like anything. You have to give it meaning, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've just feel like this is a positive thing for AA. And there was there were some issues where the woman who was trying to put together the because it's only one meeting a day now put together this meeting yeah and i was surprised at how few people were there and it kind of then it kind of freaked me out because i was like what if more people come and then we're not supposed to have that many people and it's like oh fuck but so but again we're stuck here without any sort of real response to the coronavirus so we just kind of do our risk management but i just feel like there's so much valuable information and it's such a helpful thing to just go meet in the park once a day and hang out and listen to people even if it's just people rambling about something shitty that happened it's it's not just that it's like oh i found this thing that really helps me it might help Mm -hmm. you too and i i mean i feel like it being cloaked in secrecy is important because it's important because i feel like you have to want it enough to go seek it out right it can't just be hey subscribe to the aa way Twenty nine ninety to right. five a month, and we will make we right. will set you free. So, mm-hmm. but also, I think it's good. I think it's good that it's kind of like seeping out into public spaces. Uh, yeah, yeah, virtually and yeah. otherwise. Well, and and the steps to me have always been in, in an instruction manual, and then we all 
interpret those instructions differently. Uh, metaphorically, I always think about it as like there's more than one way to skin a cat. <laughs> but in order to skin a cat, you need a cat. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. you always got to start with the cat. Um, and so in that sense, the cat is more like, I guess, less about like, it could be a program. The cat could be your program, I guess, or the cat that you're intending to skin could be your alcoholism, you know, but we all approach it in a different way with that same set of kind of set of steps, you know, at least in this program, you know, and then there's other programs that do borrow from AA and AA borrows from other programs as well. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it was just always a discipline. Now for me, more than anything, it's a discipline and I use the rules as a rough template. Okay. You know, my mm-hmm. owning up to my shit, am I being good to other people? Am I trying to have empathy for other people? Am I trying to help other people? Am I trying to help myself? Am I forgiving myself? Am I, you know what I mean? Not, I don't want to speak to people in a way that I wouldn't want to be spoken to. And so I kind of use that whole thing is a rough template i think it's great i i it's there's too much information flying around nowadays for it to remain an anonymous program i think in my opinion there's so much access to it you can get it anywhere now you can go to like like you said in our current conditions you can go to a zoom meeting and i think it's great that you're out in the park having a meeting with a bunch of people i've envy it you know would i do it maybe it depends on how far apart we are but you know (laughs) i would i would probably do it because i do miss people a lot and i miss being around other people and i feel like as as uh lackluster as my attendance was with the program before covid uh i still i still felt energized and charged by being around my own people you know there was that sense of belonging even during hard meetings you know it was still i still would leave there feeling like i had elevated my day in some way mm-hmm. you know or elevated my experience in some way and a lot of this <laughs> This podcast is taking that kind of it, – it's substituting that for me right now is being able to sure. sit with you and just shoot the shit it has always helped me out a lot, you know, and I haven't been doing a lot of Zoom meetings. And if I do find a meeting out in a park, I may attend, you know, and sit far away and wear a mask. And, and I did. Uh, yeah, I absolutely – because I do miss that that sense of connection. You know, I, I it's different for me than it is for you because I have people who are here all the time. My daughter's always here. My wife's always here, you know, but after a while we just, you know, we get so used to each other that I'm like, huh, the input of another person is valuable to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm glad you went and did it, you know, and it's, it is a very interesting point that it isn't starting to leak out and it, it why wouldn't it? Like I said, information's so widely available, man. Russell Brand a wrote a whole book about it. Right now. He wrote a whole fucking book about it, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and there's people more out and open about it now. And and addiction and alcoholism are being looked at less and less as a shameful thing and more as like, you know what I mean? Like a, mm-hmm. a, 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 a I can't think of the, a condition, a, a persisting condition, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's like a weakness of character and more like a, this is a condition I live with, you know? Or this is a, it's being seen in many different, I feel like there's also the, the level of complexity on the, uh, the, the concept of alcoholism, whether it be something you develop, whether it be something innate in your genes, you know, the, right. the, mm-hmm. all the, the science behind all that, plus all the spirituality, like there's many different ways that people come to become alcoholics. There's other ways that people, they don't even call themselves alcoholics they say well i had a problem with alcohol i removed it from my life and now i'm fine i'm not an alcoholic um but it's just the i feel like yeah the man i feel and it feels weird for me to say these things but you know i feel like the anonymity was born out of shame for yeah i think so too Right, the the mm-hmm. stigma that there was this you you were dipsomatic is that the word that they used? Yes, yeah, yeah. You're in that John Barleycorn man. <laughs> I uh, did you start I have, it? By the way, I have to make a confession. Yeah, I just started it. Just mm-hmm. got past the preface. I had to skip the introduction because the introduction was so dry and boring. I was like, fuck yeah, this I don't book. Think I'm I not going to read it. <laughs> I did. I made it like three quarters of the way through and I was like, fuck this. I'm, I'm going to start reading. So I'm like about five pages in and enjoying it. And I'm like, oh, right. Cause this is what I like about fucking Jack London. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this is the shit I like about him. Not this intro, but anyway, dipsomatic. Yes, exactly. It was, I think it was looked at as a weakness of character. And a weakness of of uh, moral character, of, of right? Your morals, mm-hmm. your moral character. It was a disease of moral character back then, and I think we look at it differently now. Right. Know? And and mm. and so I think that 
I think, yeah, Dipsomania. There we go. There's the name of the episode. Um, <clears throat> That's it. But so what is a really what is, old word? <laughs> what does dipsomania mean? Do you have Do you have a dictionary? Yeah, right, let me see. Not on me, right. um, but yeah. But you know what? It, it's it's really interesting. While you're looking it up, I, mm-hmm. I've I've been countered with, well, why do you have a spiritual program for something you feel like is a medical problem? You can't pray away the cancer. And mm-hmm. I always said, you know, if they always. I've been told that you know, if you have cancer, you can't pray it away. If you have COPD, you can't pray it away. And I said, yeah, but you can meet up with a bunch of other people who have cancer and talk about your experience and learn something from them. And that's what this all was. It wasn't about us all getting in a group and praying and hoping our alcoholism will go away. No, Mm -hmm. motherfucker, the alcoholism doesn't go away for me. Like it's just me meeting up with a bunch of other drunks to deal with it, to deal with this condition that I have that keeps going on, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, same with the cancer, man. Yeah, an irresistible, typically periodic craving for alcoholic drink. So, I mean, that that implies that it's periodic craving, meaning that it would come and go. And that's that's true. But I I think that 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 was the original the original meaning or what they used to say. And it's just Mm -hmm. so it's so much different and so much more is understood. So why wouldn't there be a I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that there needs to be. I mean, honestly, I guess I am. I'm I'm hesitant to say that AA needs to evolve, but I feel like it does. But you know, who the Dude, fuck am I? With... For a reform, reform right. of the program. But who right. the fuck am I with only five years experience? You know, five years sober and lazily being a part hmm. of it. You know, like and so, I don't know. That's just my that's just like my opinion, man. But <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it. I think everything needs to change. I agree with you. Am I going to stand up at a meeting and be like, "We need to do things differently"? No, because that's not my place to do it. But if someone asks me. How do you feel about the program or, or how it is in the 20, 2020? I'll be like, yeah, it needs, there's parts of it that need to, in my opinion, should change to be more accessible, you know, or to be mm-hmm. more relatable. Um, that being said, there are other aspects of it I greatly respect, like the whole 11th tradition, even though we break it constantly, but like in the sense that like not being advertised or being used to make money, you know, like you shouldn't monetize this thing. And I've always appreciated that this thing isn't monetized. It isn't like take, mm-hmm. take Bill W's program. And like you said, pay twenty nine ninety nine a month or whatever. And I mean, it just, once you pervert it that way, it just loses all of its, I don't know. To me, it just gets ugly and I can't fuck with that, you know, yeah. but, but there are aspects of it, I believe should be modernized or at least taken into account like the whole for the wives section in the book i've always felt is a little problematic you Mm -hmm. know and and, uh you know there are parts of we agnostics that i'm you know but like that is neither here nor this it's just our opinion we're just two dudes on a podcast you know like observing it as being members and also outside of it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's 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 yeah I'm just really grateful that it was able to that I, we were able that somebody was able to put together a meeting that we could go to and sit yeah. in and mm-hmm. even if there was you know marijuana smoke coming from the bocce ball courts the bocce dudes get fucking baked dude they the were bocce they, dudes were, they fucking, were having a good time man they were having a good time they're boking boking some schmoles dude you know mm-hmm. just feeling the day beautiful day out in California everything's shut oh. down again yeah. Though, right? Basically. Yeah. We're on the verge of it here too, man. We're on the verge of it. Um But, you know, hey, that's that's uh that's a whole other thing there, but Right. Well, but, um and you're still I'm glad you got to do it, man. Yeah, you're still you're still self-quarantined and loving I it. I am. I'm, I'm I'm locked down. I I am loving it in a really anxious way, you know, cuz mm-hmm. I'm starting to hit the point now where school's starting back up and so my wife and I are discussing what her options considering she works at the school. Because I don't mind keeping all of out of school. I'll just I'll help her out here. I mean, we did great with distance learning. You know, I sat mm-hmm. down with her. I did more homework with her while she distance learned than when she was at school. You know what I mean? I became more of a part of it because when she was at school with, with Megan, they were working together at the school all the time. You know, right. and I really didn't. I By the time I got home, she was done with everything because she had already finished it at school with her mom or right when she got home. So I like being a part of that. I get to like figure out the internal workings of her mind. She misses the social aspect of it, my daughter. And my wife and I are discussing, well, what capacity are you going to work because the state is paying you to work at the school. So you're going to have to figure that out. And mm-hmm. then 
once we open that door and you start regularly going to a place where you are exposed to it, you know, what's the whole point of me not going to a place where I'm exposed to it? You know, so we're kind of in this weird, we're just having these discussions, but I don't know. I think the state's going to do a lot of distance learning in the beginning. You know, right. or, or, Oregon tends to be fairly uh, cautious when it comes to this kind of thing. They're yeah. not wilding out like fucking other states <laughs> where they're just like, throw them kids in that fucking fire and see what happens. You mm. know? But, but, well, that's uh, good, and I mean, I, I know, it's man. good that you're you're good with it and you're comfortable with it, and she's you know you're you're fine to to be a part of that, and that you know what a I love what it. a fucking yeah. what a blessing to be able to have the time and energy to do it rather than being stuck, forced doing something else where that's right, right, right. So, so me and quarantine's weird, man. I've been really depressed. Like quarantine mm-hmm. has really depressed me, and it's more that I watch the news and I read Twitter <laughs> and I see the numbers and I feel sad because there's a lot of empathy. I feel really, my heart really hurts for those who have had massive loss and i don't want to get too into that because we are doing our alcoholism podcast and mm-hmm. we kind of do and it, like you said it doesn't happen in a vacuum but despite that though like things are happening in my life that i've always wanted to happen as far as like commission painting and working on art and more focusing on the thing that brings me some satisfaction in life instead of doing the thing that i need to do to pay the bills you know mm-hmm. um and and for years and years i really tried to have a change of attitude about tattooing for a living and it was just this unsurmountable thing like it's just the I don't know, man. I just, there was just a whole thing of like having to work within other people's parameters, other people's ideas of things that it, and then having to like do it purely for money bothered me. And, and it just wasn't a, a medium that I was comfortable working in. I wasn't happy working in the medium. And I have to probably go back eventually, which is great because then potential clients listen to this podcast and be like, oh, great. I'm going to get the guy who doesn't like his job. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there were aspects of it I miss and there are aspects of it I loved. And But, but you know, before before quarantine, like those aspects got smaller and smaller, you know. Sure. So, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not that, you know, oh, well, I get the guy who hates his job. I mean, you do anything long <laughs> enough, I think you're going to get fucking burned out on it. I mean – Right, and culturally, we're supposed to put this face forward, and it, it is repeated so much on Instagram, and it was repeated so much in the tattoo shop I worked in, that we were supposed to love our jobs, and our main entire focus in life was tattooing, and all we had to care about was tattooing, and everything else could go fuck itself, because it was just all about tattooing 24-7. Everything I draw is tattooing, all the media I take in is tattooing, all the podcasts I listen to are tattooing, and I just never felt that way. This mm-hmm. was not me, man. I This is my job. This is not my life. Like I have a life outside of this, you know, I, and I repeat that a lot in the podcast, but that's just like that. My big fourth step thing I got to deal with is me and my resentment towards my job. And yeah, I got to sit down and write it out, figure it out, man. Boom. Did I, I don't know if I told you last week, did I tell you about the letter I wrote to my dead father? Did we talk about that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we did. So I think, you know, whether it's a fourth step or not, it doesn't like, I don't think you need to follow I mean, you do what you want to do, Jerry, but... Um, right, no, yeah. You can put it in the boxes and get the little graph or the little chart, you know, and you can fill in the little boxes. And I found it was... I mean, basically, I was answering all those questions anyway. It was just in a long letter. So, right. I mean... And there's there's always a huge amount of resistance to any any of those things. I mean, I I did it the night before it was due, quote unquote, for my therapy session. It's, it's <laughs> but, like fucking painful homework. You know uh-huh. what I mean? It's like doing homework that hurts your feelings. You know. But yeah. But again, this is like this is a, something that we can use. You know, you know the fir- you know what you need to do to deal with those resentments toward work. Now, I'm not absolutely. Saying, you know, I'm not saying, oh, well, you have to do them today, or if you don't do anything nah. about it, you're just, you know, screwing yourself over. Like, it comes right. in your own time. But thank God we have these tools now, just as adults, as people, that we didn't have. I mean, I, Jesus, I found all those old videos of us, you know, from back in 15, yeah. 17, 18 years ago, more. And I'm just like, we didn't have any fucking tools. There was one. So you maybe you remember this story, but Danny bought a guitar and it, or he had his guitar shipped to him in this giant box full of fucking styrofoam peanuts. Mm-hmm. It was like five feet tall or however big, four feet tall. And so we thought it would be cool mm-hmm. to like get in this box of peanuts. 
and then the box mm-hmm. fell over and then there was like styrofoam peanuts all over the floor like we were fucking mm-hmm. rolling around in it like drunken animals like we ah. thought this was fun or funny like it was a ball pit at McDonald's you know what I mean right. like at the playland mm-hmm. and so I'm looking at this I'm watching this video of me rolling around <laughs> drunk in a box full of styrofoam peanuts should I make that available uh. for a Patreon level tier to somebody. I mean, I, I mean, but I'm just saying is I didn't have any, I had zero tools to deal with life. Like that's just what I thought was a day off and was fun. And I remember uh-huh. living with those, like just feeling bummed out, like, Oh, there's more styrofoam peanuts and we have to keep cleaning them up and cleaning them up. And it was impossible. Mm-hmm. And so we just lived in this house with fucking styrofoam peanuts ground into the carpet and it was just yeah. like, what the fuck, dude? And I don't have to do that anymore. No. But if you wanted to, you could, though. Just sober. Just roll around if and like styrofoam peanuts. So if I did, I would lay down a tarp, one. I would of get, course, yeah. I was, you know, like, <laughs> if I were going to have that kind of fun, I would lay down a tarp, uh. I'd tape it down, I'd get the box of peanuts, I'd roll around in it, I'd make sure that the doors were closed and everything else, and then I would scoop it all up. You know, it, it gets all staticky and cling to your shirt, so you'd have to make sure to wash right. that right away and vacuum everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, I would clean everything up so that I didn't have to live with this, like, mess. And so I think that that's, that's, some, that's a valuable skill tool that we learn in recovery is, okay, well, I don't have to do that. What are the things that help me fix it? What are the things that I can, you know, it's not just about not drinking, it's all the other shit every single day. Well, because it keeps happening. Whether or not you're not drinking life and all the shit happens. Mm-hmm. You can do it drunk or sober. And what's the easier way to do it? You know. Um, yeah, I was talking to my dad the other day about this. And he was saying during this quarantine that the numbers of uh, overdoses have gone up in Arizona, at least. And the numbers of people being uh admitted to the hospital with alcohol poisoning have gone up during the quarantine Jesus. you know because all people can do is you know sit around and get fucked up because there's so much coming at them all day long emotionally and physically you know and and like i think that's a great metaphor for like how life just keeps fucking happening whether or not you're fucked up and so mm-hmm. how do you deal with it you know i mean fucked up your only tool is like a spatula circus peanuts or whatever <laughs> not circus peanuts it's like styrofoam peanuts mm-hmm. you know and you know, you sober up and you have access to more shit. You know, you have access to more ways of dealing, more complex things. It's so hard because we got to use the metaphor for tools because I can't tell you what emotional process I go through in order to cope with things. I just know that my emotional processes are different. I can look at it from a different perspective and say, oh, this is difficult. This seems insurmountable. So what are my options? And before my options were ignore it and go get loaded to forget it. And now my options are like, I can ignore it. I can deal with it head on. I can deal with it in a subtle way. I can deal with it from another angle. I can change my perspective. I can walk away for a brief period of time and come back to it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and those were no those those options. Like, if we were playing Fallout, all those options would be grayed out. I wouldn't be able to choose them because I didn't have my points enough. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have enough intelligence or strength points or endurance points well, in order to access those options. And now, I I can't access them all yet. Still, but you know, I can. I have a little bit more going on with that. Right. There's a, um, did I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not repeating myself from last week, but you talk about being insurmountable and there's this, um, this Muhammad Ali quote where he says, it's not the mountain in front of you. That's going to get you. It's the pebble in your shoe. Yeah. And I so, think you said that last yeah, week. And so I'll, like my mind was blown with that too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, and it, and you talk about having the tools now you're like, Oh, what do I need to do? And, you know, step seven was humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. And I remember that was what the meeting was about, was step seven. And I thought, well, I asked him, and they're still there. And uh, what's up with that, dude? You know, my shortcomings are still there. And it's like, was I, did I humbly ask him? Okay. Well, and then I would go back to the, to the previous one. We're entirely ready. And I was like, well, maybe I wasn't entirely ready. Why wasn't I entirely ready? Well, I hadn't admitted to God, to myself, and to another human being the exact nature of my wrongs. Why hadn't I done that? I was like, oh, well, because maybe I hadn't made a searching and fearless moral inventory. Why didn't I do that? Right. Well, I, And so so on and so forth and so forth. You can open up the book yourself and go through the steps, and it's like, 
they're in an order for in that order for a reason, right? Because it makes sense. And so mm-hmm. jumping ahead or feeling resistance or feeling bothered or going, why aren't things the way that I want them to be? Is like, well, there's a process here. And you talk about your emotional process. And I think in this particular literature, and you can plug in whatever word you want for God or alcohol or whatever, you know, however you re- rearrange the words, but the, the steps themselves make sense in that order because that's the process. Whether we do it consciously or unconsciously now that we've been sober for so long. Right. With everything. Like if I'm if I'm resentful toward my neighbor for parking on, I don't know, like on my right. my property or something like that. And it's like, well, have I talked to my neighbor? No, I'm just sitting over here stewing. And maybe the neighbor, it's probably not about me. Most everything that's going on that I don't like is most of the time not about me. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> 99.9% yeah. of the time, like if people are wronging me, it's not right. about me. They don't even know I I'll, exist. Right. Unless they point directly at you and they're like, fuck you, dude. Fuck mm-hmm. that dude right there. <laughs> Step seven's been always been weird for me, man, because I, and it, it was really a lot of perspective change because I was like, what? I'm supposed to ask God to just take all my problems away and it's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I always had a problem with that because I was like, it ain't going to. I'm not going to be like, dear God, take away my problems. Thank you. And then God just does it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And even in the step, though, if you break it down, which is weird because I hate doing this pretzel logic. I see so much of it all the time. But I kind of have to do it with step seven and be like, okay, you can humbly ask to remove whatever this is. But it doesn't mean it's going to be removed. You're just in the process of asking for it. So then is it about making an appeal to this higher power that will magically make your shit going away or learning how to make an appeal to something that is bigger than you and learning how to ask for help, learning how to, do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's my pretzel logic of looking at the thing going like, oh, is it all a mystery? Is it all a riddle? Or is it just plain and simple? You You ask your version of God, quote unquote, and then that version will just help you out. Because I've experienced things in my life that are, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A coincidence mm-hmm. that are convenient coincidences. And I've also experienced things that run completely opposite of the idea of a higher power. You know what I mean? Just the randomness and chaoticness of nature and life and man and all in woman and all that shit. Mm-hmm. So for me, seven steps always been real weird and we are in the seventh month. So a lot <laughs> of the meetings are going to be like, what, what should we have this meeting about? And you'd be like, Oh, seven step, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, next month will be eighth step, you know, but, um, it's it's always been a weird one for me. All the God ones have been su- asking God for help have always been weird to me. And they, I think until I reconcile whatever my version of that is, and I it'll just be what it is, what it is, you know. And I think a lot of alcoholics in the program, first coming in or even been around for a while, feel that way. Like the whole God aspect of it, you know, the whole higher power God. But asking Him, you know, humbly remove, humbly ask Him, like please take take away my shitty fucking problem. Mm-hmm. And then God, God just doesn't like that version of God just doesn't come in and pluck it out. That idea to me is faulty. Do you know what I mean? But it, like I said, once again, you got to do the pretzel logic and think, well, it doesn't say that anything's going to solve it for you. It just means you're just asking for help, you know? Well, maybe it's less of a um, transactional thing. Right. See, this is the way I'm looking at it. Right. Actually, and literally, I, I look at it very mm-hmm. literally. Mm hmm which fucks me up (laughs) and maybe it's more (laughs) about putting yourself like you said into the mindset to ask for help and then that Mm -hmm. puts you in the mindset to be open to help and then then you are aware of it and when help comes along instead of being blinded by it you're like oh yeah that's a great idea or oh i'm so glad i ran into you or oh i'm so glad that you said that or Oh, I'm so glad that I read that. Or that's really, you know, when we say things like, I really needed that today. I had no idea. Like that was a, you know, the coincidence. Yeah. Yes. And you're like, oh, I totally needed that. That's exactly what I, what I was looking for. And it's like, well, yeah, because you put yourself in a mindset to look for it. So it wasn't this transaction thing where you, you know, you're paying money for goods and services. Right. Right. And exactly. And that seems to be my problem with it is that. I tend to look at things transactional sometimes, Mm -hmm. not all the time, but once again, this is all part of the learning process. So it either, I, it either 
becomes clear at one point, especially with your explanation or at least your conception of it, your perception of it, that helps clarify it for me. You know, so these things, I don't have them all figured out. And I always, it always frustrated me when I'd go into meetings. No, frustrated is the wrong word. It always weirded me out when I'd go to meetings and these dudes are like, I ran through all 12 steps in, in a month, two months. Man, my sponsor just fast-tracked me. And I'm like, man, this to me, it's this process of learning things. And sometimes learning things takes a long fucking time. It's mm-hmm. not about, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, uh-huh. And then going through and answering yes to all the questions and then being like, I'm cured, boom, I'm recovered. You know, like to me, it was always this learn, like talking to you and it's a learning process. That's why we did the 12 and 12 over FaceTime to figure mm-hmm. out what, is, what does this all mean? Like, what the fuck is Bill saying here? <laughs> <laughs> does Bill even know what he's saying or is he just making shit up to fill space? Right. Do you know what I mean? He's like oh, the Oxford group has six steps. I better make it 12, you know, or whatever Mm -hmm. it was that he was doing. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is like the way I interpret things and the way I misinterpret things and what I can take and what I can leave. And so right now, you know, I'm asking for patience and and strength and acceptance. You know, Mm -hmm. what am I asking? I don't know who I'm asking for. I'm just asking it out loud to the room. Sure. To the house. I just walk out to my wife and daughter and be like, I just need patience today and I need strength and I need to accept that I'm in the situation I'm in. All right? And they're like, cool, yeah, okay. And then whatever hears it or whatever it is. is it well, is, yeah. I either, I either get it or I don't or I, or I have to learn how to get it. You know, who knows, man? And that's, excuse me, that's not a transaction you're making with your wife or your child. No, or you're just, just you're saying, kind of saying it. it. And then yeah. that, but that also puts you in the mindset of it. That give, That reinforces... We've got these little, whatever, synapses in our brain. And so the mm-hmm. more that we rewire it literally over and over and over, what are your, you know, what are the mantras? What are the things that you that you say to yourself over and over and over and over again become true or become, right. you know, your baseline for being open for acceptance or, <clears throat> you know, for me, I think today was about understanding and compassion i need to have understanding and i need to have compassion and i thought those were Mm -hmm. those were important today so it's like okay so then that just and excuse me for yawning i'm sorry um is that people uh, doing their dishes right now seriously listen to the podcast (laughs) like it just puts me it focuses where i want my thoughts to be and where i want my mind to be so that when those things come or when the opposite of those things come i can be I can remove myself from it. When I see somebody who's not being compassionate, when I see, when I see, when I go, oh, there's a misunderstanding here. I can be like, well, wait a second. Let's step outside of it and let's try to have some understanding about the situation. Right. So, you know, we, but again, I don't have to drink about this. I, I, I used to. And like, what yeah. a crazy thing, dude. Like, what a fucking crazy thing. Like how, like I look back, I was looking back at those videos and I'm like, I was so fucking blind and dumb. And mostly I was just confused and and had never been taught any other way. And self will run riot, literally mm-hmm. on tape. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you were saying, you know, you didn't know any other better way. And that's what I was going to interject with mm-hmm. was that like that you were working with what you had. You were working with what you knew. Mm-hmm. And that's what you knew. And you didn't know any better. So that's what you got to work with. And it's, I think it's great as we get older, we're figuring it out. Now, I don't like that being said, I don't want to sit on my fucking throne of lies and be like, I figured <laughs> it all out. Welcome to my mind palace, you know, but like. I don't know, man. I think, yeah, what we have emotionally at our disposal is far more advanced than what we used to have. We were rolling around in peanuts with Danny, eating spaghetti mm-hmm. in the shower and shit. And Basically, and those those yeah. are all real things that are were caught on video cassette in 2003. <coughs> 2003. I'm, I think that was the year I broke my leg. That, it was the year that before. That was the year. I, because you were, I was still living in Eugene, and I moved to Seattle in 2003. Oh, so it was like oh yeah. two, I think, because it was right yeah. before I. Maybe it was oh one. I don't know. Um, but yeah, man, I just I'm. It goes it goes so much deeper, and I I often. Sometimes I feel like I just want a little fucking relief, and I'm just tired of working on myself, and I'm just like, man, can I just catch a fucking break? 
You know, can I just be like, can I just leave it all alone? And mm-hmm. I think that you can. I think it's fine for me to kind of remove myself and take a break and not think about these things. Now, that's not to bullshit myself and think that everything's fine. But right. it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't help to be in class, you know, for 12 well, hours a day. Exactly. I was going to tell you, you're allowed to have a weekend. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed to have some time off. I mean, the work will still be there when you return to mm-hmm. it, you know, and as long as it's not the type of work that requires your attention constantly, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay to take time off. I take time off from it all the time. I, I'm really good at giving up. I've been very <laughs> good at giving up my entire life. I have no problem. You know, I always watch these movies and read these books and they're like, the man never gave up and the man was relentless. And I was like, what a waste of fucking time. Like mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, what? so your whole life is just what? Walking uphill, trying to get this one little kernel or whatever. Like, nah, if it's too hard and too much and I know that I'm not going to benefit from it anyway, I just walk away from it. Maybe I'll come back to it another day. Right. There's, I, there's nothing I can give up permanently. And now taking a break isn't the same as giving up. You're just giving a little rest. I'm great at giving a little rest too, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't have to do this shit all the time. I don't have to be here and sit here and be like, is this part of my inventory? Do I need to, you know, like do this and that no man we're supposed to be enjoying ourselves to some extent you know you know they say go big or go home and i'm like man i think i'd like to go home yeah i'd just like to go home <laughs> i watched uh rent yesterday oh that's right because you were in it's a been... weird segue but yeah I watched rent how was it didn't like it no wasn't it was no hamilton so i'm doing my introduction to musicals right because i've always loved musicals like i love little shop of horrors i love hedvig and the angry inch so i'm like i need to start watching some of the classic ones and my colleague i know i segued into this really weird but no go ahead there there is no attachment to anything but um my call my work colleague was like yo you gotta watch rent i love it i listened to it on my walks i think the soundtrack's great and so i i watched it and it's this it's like supposed to be late 80s in alphabet city in new york you know lower east side or lower west side or whatever and uh it's supposed to be told from gen x's point of view it's very Mm -hmm. gen x it's very our generation and and, uh there were aspects of it i really loved a lot there were parts of it i was like they got it but then most of it i was like this is kind of corny and a little boring like the music's not great the singing's okay like some of the some of the women in it could sing great. The politics were awesome. Mm-hmm. The social politics were really awesome. And considering that, like, this came out in '96, it debuted on Broadway, and then the movie they made in 2005. So we were already kind of leaning more progressive, a little bit more in 2005. Not as much so because we had G, G Dubs, but mm-hmm. um, it was all right. Would I recommend it to you? No, no. <laughs> right. And so now I got this a buddy of mine who's like, man, it's my favorite. And now he's gonna text me and be like, did you watch Rent? And I'm gonna have to be like, there were parts of it I liked. You know what? And that's the only way I can really answer that question because I can't be like, yo, I didn't like it. But because the, there were parts of it I liked. So there's this. So you bring up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try and tie this into sobriety here <laughs> let me well everybody's addicted to heroin here, so. <laughs> well there you go well you said Hedwig and the angry inch and you introduced Love me it. to this movie back in like 2000 this came out mm-hmm. maybe yeah and mm-hmm. i remember just being struck by it all and how like right awesome the music was and how rock and roll it was and how beautiful and sad and painful and this whole idea of like looking for your other half and then realizing that it's it was you all along and then the whole like yeah. rebirth of you know, putting on the show and the makeup and trying to be something you're not and destroying yourself in the process of trying to be something you're not. And I think at the very end, spoiler alert, pause the fucking podcast if you want to watch Hedvig and the Angry Inch first. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead. I know it's 20 years old. Yes. But at the very, like one of the last scenes, the very last scene is him just walking naked down this like lit up alleyway. Right, and it struck me as like this is the birth canal to his new life yes, of that's being what I himself, thought. right? Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was this really beautiful movie because I felt exactly how the character felt. I felt yeah. stuck. I Same felt here. outcast. I felt like I was trying to perform for something. And in the video that the video cassette that I found, there is multiple songs where my roommate Danny, who you know, is recording me in various 
states of undress, nothing weird or sexual. I just like being in my fucking underwear all the time. I just, mm-hmm. you know, like I was just like, hey, you're a man. big guy. You're I was drunk. A big it was hot. drunk. And I, yeah. So I was like, it's probably literally summer. there was there were often times if we're just sitting around the house in my underwear like a fucking drunk. But it's me singing Hedvig and the Angry Inch, and he's just deciding uh-huh. to record me. And I was just like, and it's hard to watch. And I'm like, oh my god, it's just so embarrassing. And but I think in those moments, like in those songs, you're like, I was thinking to myself, oh, this is where I feel. I just want to be myself, and not really knowing how to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, it took me another twelve years of drinking extensively and to my detriment to finally go okay this is i gotta stop and that it doesn't come in some sort of fantastic flash right it's Mm -hmm. just this like oh man i really been fucking up for a long time and i gotta stop and that really sucks too and that sucks for a lot of reasons right i this sucks because i don't want to stop I want to keep having fun, but it hasn't been fun for years. It sucks because it hurts. I'm hung over all the time and I'm in pain. It sucks because I'm lonely. It sucks because I, I'm, I'm uncertain about what's going on out there. It sucks for all these reasons, but it's got to stop. And so I, I think I resonate much more with Hedvig and the Angry Inch now in sobriety than I ever did as some sort of, you know, obnoxious drunk idiot singing along to Sugar Daddy. Right, <laughs> you know. No, I mean? yeah, I've recently rewatched it too in the past. Well, during the quarantine, actually, mm-hmm. I, I uh, yeah, I can totally relate. Instead of you walking down the alley naked, it's just you jogging, <laughs> basically, in, like, right? Your it's... your shoes, your cool shoes, just jogging out of the alley. It's like the new John, but maybe not naked though. Just no. actually clothed because no, you're mean, usually I naked. Definitely before shirtless. you got sober. Yeah, yeah, I mean. It's just, it's just. There's a, there's a difference between seeing a guy in jogging shorts and seeing a guy in boxers. Like, obviously, it's the same right. state of dress, but like, mm-hmm. you know, a guy who's just rolling around in his boxer shorts has a lot more problems than the guy who's like in the, uh, in the jogging shorts. Jogging shorts, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The guy in the boxers is really got his priorities set a lot differently than the dude in his jogging shorts. So it's just you running down an alley shirtless, mm-hmm. coming out into the world, being reborn is <laughs> this new thing. That's great. Yeah, so, I love that movie and and everything I just absolutely resonates with me. You know that mm-hmm. that's what appealed to me too is that sense of other and I didn't realize that that sense of other is what fueled me the entire time I was drinking was feeling like that sense of other and sense of wanting to belong, but not wanting to belong with all the normal people. I wanted to belong with all the others. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I didn't yeah. want to fuck with any of that mainstream shit. I wanted to be around all the strange people. I still want to be around all the strange people. I still love them, but I just I just don't have the time to do it fucked up anymore. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like the experience isn't the same. It's a false experience. It's a false narrative. Mm-hmm. Alter, alter, alternate facts. Alternative mm-hmm. facts. For know? sure. I mean, that's that's a false trick we show. play on ourselves all the time. And I, I, it's it's just me. It really resonates a lot more in recovery. And this whole the whole idea in this in the movie about um you know, being split in half and looking outward for your other half, looking outward for the answers, looking outward for something else to fix you, to come, someone else to come and fix you. Right. It's such a faulty mm-hmm. ch- chain of thought. Right. This, and other, this other will fix me, yeah. And then this coming to find out that, oh, I had to sit down and cry and write and think and stop my behaviors that were mm-hmm. destroying me. That's and what listen. I need to do. And listen. listen. Listen and learn other behaviors from mm-hmm. listening, you know? Yeah, hell yeah. So, so. yeah, this is my uh, intro to my musicals. We watched Sweeney Todd. A few I don't know weeks that ago. one. That's the Barbara. Sweeney Todd's with Johnny Depp or whatever. I, I remember watching it back in the day and being really disappointed because I'm like, this isn't a cool Johnny Depp movie. They're just singing the whole time. And uh, I watched it again recently and I, I love the costuming and I like the story. I just didn't like any of the music. I didn't. I just the music didn't appeal to me. Same with Rent. Like the music mm-hmm. just didn't appeal to me. I think Hamilton fucked it up for me because it was just such a well done, well crafted piece of art mm-hmm. that I'm like everything else now has to hold up to this bar. I'm, I'm, we'll do. We're gonna do Les Misérables, the one with Russell Crowe, because I wanted to see what he's got going on. It's like two and a half hours long though. But Jesus. yeah. And well, then after that, I don't know. I might do the Bos Lerman ones, but 
Uh, is that the like, is that Romeo and Juliet fucking, or no? That's, yeah, and or, fucking uh, Moulin. Is that Moulin, Moulin Rouge? Rouge? I yeah. Think. Yeah, and I remember watching it once and being like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Why don't I you? Just why don't you go deep into like do Into the Woods as Sondheim or fucking the I Pirates of Penzance? <laughs> yeah. I have not done Pirates of Penzance since I was a fucking baby, since I was like six or seven. We did, Megan and I did Into the Woods. I think I'm thinking about redoing it again just to see. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Even doing like fucking West Side Story, some of the older ones, I'm very curious about. La La Land is like one of my favorite musicals. Oh, okay. I, there's something about it. I run to that soundtrack. Oh really? Tell you what, dog. Nice. Yeah, those those first two songs are fucking bangers to run to, dude. All yeah. Right. And uh Hamilton, the 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 King King George's song in Hamilton, it's such a pop song, but I run to that one too. Do you think they'll ever do like a Bill W musical? Step God, one. I hope not, dude. <laughs> Step one. We admitted Step- we were powerless over Woo! alcohol. Yep. Hold your hands, everyone, get together, call. You sponsor. You sponsor. <laughs> it's like, shh, don't say shit. Shh, don't say Anonymity. shit. Anonymity. I don't know. That's Anonymity. the best. That's my impression of right? musicals. Um, and it's a DUI. A DUI. <laughs> Go spend a night in the jail tonight. <laughs> um, it's true. It's true. Yeah, I, it I is love, true. I think... Um, I just feel like in sobriety, I'm also much calmer when it comes to all the issues and problems that come up. I'm not, I'm not as reactive. I used to be mm-hmm. so reactive and so like everything was a knee jerk. It was like everything was, ah, don't do that. Ah, that's gross. That's spiky. That's weird. I can't yeah. do that. That's too much. No, we go, we, Everything I had to make a hundred and eighty degree turn, and like just turn the other way and run from it. So if it was like a, you know, if the if the bill collector calls, you ignore it. If um if your relationship is bad, you ignore it. You know, if mm-hmm. if if you go, I, whatever it was, I hate my job. Well, I'll just fucking be be bad at it. Right, or just not go and then just not go. get fired and find another one, or come back later and apologize sure. and see if they'll keep you yeah. again. And- yeah, I'm still a little reactive, but that's I work on it. You know, every day I tell myself, "Well, was that appropriate? Mm, maybe next time, don't do that." You know, but that's just kind of, I don't know. That's one of my things I work on. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's not. There's nothing wrong with being somewhat reactive to things. Like, you, of course, no. we're human beings. We're gonna be. We're gonna have reactions, and that, that's I, what that's, we do. That's yeah. fine. But I, I just don't have to. I don't have to take them to the extreme. I don't have to let them define me for the day or, you know, live in them for so long. I can be more, I'm just much more calm and relaxed now than I ever was before I was mm-hmm. fucking, I mean, I'm still, I get anxious. I get high strung. The world is fucked yeah. right now. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff going on and you're just like, Oh Jesus Christ. Not again today. Um, but the stuff was Again going on with while this was, shit. Yeah, yeah, while I was mm-hmm. sleeping too, and the stuff has been going on. It's just amplified, and we're more, you know, we have access to all the information. I mean, turn off your goddamn phone, John. You don't need to feel all the fucking awful shit that's going on every single day. You have enough that's going on inside your own head. Mm. But I don't have to drink. You like don't, this, baby. That's like that's a crazy thing to say when I really really think about it. You're like, because that you know before it was like I need to drink, I want to drink. It was a fun thing, and I don't need to anymore. And it's like, oh shit, I needed to, I had to. It was this thing that it superseded everything else, and you don't yeah. realize. I didn't realize how much and how blind mm-hmm. I was. I mean, and thankfully, I have these old videotapes. I don't know what I'm going to do with this stuff. I don't think Yeah, anything. it sounds like that you've watched them, and it's been your thing this week. And I'm just, just like, ugh, gross. Just, fl- just cringing at yourself constantly? Basically. Yeah. And then I know you're going to send me a link to something, I'll, and I'm going to be like, oh, for fuck's sake, really? I'm going to chop this one up. It's, it's A lot of it is just too fucking long and, like, boring. You know, like... Right. I mean, mm-hmm. nowadays with with all of the video editing apps and everything that we all know about putting stuff together and all that stuff, back then you just kind of let the camera roll. 
and you're like, yeah. well, you're not focusing on anything. You're moving around, especially when you're just drunk with an old ass video camera from 20 years ago. But it really has. Like it's, it's. I think it's important, and I, I still, I don't know about you, but I still struggle with the whole. You know, you will not regret or shut the door on it. Oh, all the time. I cringe just from thoughts of shit I did. Mm-hmm. I still cringe. Like physically go like, oh, dude, you did that. Oh, mm-hmm. man, you shouldn't have done that. Right. Oh, uh, you need to apologize for that. And, you know, who do you apologize to? And, and can you apologize? And I don't know. I mean, I think that the, the first step for me is always to write it down and, like, dig through it. And not just in my morning journal, but to grab something else and it doesn't have to be something that i keep even right it's just about mm-hmm. it's just the process of writing it down i uh whisper it into a well <laughs> no you don't do you i blow up a balloon and then i whisper it into the balloon uh-huh. and then let the balloon go in the room and it just all the bad stuff goes away with it no i don't know i don't I mean, whatever. I yeah, if, if, I've, I let it die on the vine because I'm dysfunctional. No, I don't. I deal with it my own way. I, uh, yeah, I whisper it into a well. But I mean, I you wish I had a well. I don't have a well. You don't go in the closet and whisper it, but you could. I whisper it into my shirt sleeves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just, that's where it lives you now. You could. You could. Yeah, sure. I mean, but yeah. I, I think I, I whatever whatever works and whatever the process is, and it's like the process is not going to be. It's not going to fix itself today, right? No, it's not. Probably it takes not. Time. It could, but I mean, if you've it been working time. on it, mm-hmm. and then you know, and I've had the way that epiphanies have come to me is it's always something that I have dealt with and dealt with and dealt with and worked on and worked on and worked on, and then it's something turns the corner or my perspective or my perception of it, and like, oh, wow, that was Man, great. I don't, yeah. I don't even realize it's an epiphany till after it's happened, like way after. And I'm like, oh, shit, that was a breakthrough, wasn't it? That was like two hours ago, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it never happens while it's happening. Yeah. And I, I really want to reiterate that it doesn't ha- – like what you said, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen like that. It, we live in a culture where everything is very quick now. And I can be like, what the fuck were the words to my Sharona? And I can just get them. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we could figure out whether or not Macy Gray was in fucking training day instead <laughs> yes. of it being a six-month-long bet because there was no IMDB in 2000. And right. That was 99. 99. Yeah. 99, right? So so for me, sometimes I feel like I've conditioned myself to have everything now so my problems should be solved right now instead of mm-hmm. realizing, oh, no, this is a process. There needs to be research done or there needs to be experience had before this this will. Mm-hmm. resolve itself or become resolved you know right it's, and i yeah. i for sure and i i think that that's i don't want to say that people uh, i i'm hesitant to give advice because everybody's different right but right i mm-hmm. think that not having lower expectations but managing my expectations was important because yeah. the I mean, I had pretty low expectations at the time. I didn't think anything was going to work, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's I think, a lot of people are. But managing them was really helpful instead of – because because what would happen is I'd be going through the steps or with working with my sponsor or something like that and be like, this is going to fix me and everything's going to be great. And then it wouldn't be great. And then I would be, <laughs> yeah. and then I would be like, so I'd be looking for somebody to blame. Yeah. Somebody else, not myself. I'd be looking for somebody else to blame. Yeah. And there was nobody there. So that's that's the dipsomania. That's the dipsomania. Hey, remember what Macy Gray said in Training Day? She said, bitch ass, punk ass, crooked ass cop. I remember that to mm-hmm. I don't know why I remember <laughs> yes. that. She's like smoking a cigarette and she goes, bitch ass, mm-hmm. punk ass, crooked ass cop. So Dakota went, That's Macy Gray, and you went, That's not Macy Gray. No, you one of you guys said that's Macy Gray, and then Coda one of you disagreed and one of you agreed and it was like a fucking thing for months it was 1999 and nobody had the the fucking was it training day yeah it was training nobody day. had yeah, nobody had the it. training day box on us we didn't have the box on us so we couldn't even tell <laughs> like somebody just had a raw training day dvd or something rolling around that had like no credits apparently <laughs> Right. Why do we never stop to look at the fucking credits? It was like a thing. It was like a whole thing. I wonder if she was credited now. I but yeah, I think 
I think I thought it was, and he thought it wasn't, and we argued. Yes. And it was like a six month argument. I don't know how long yeah. it was, but it was it was pointless, and it was, and we just got fucking drunk, and we would just argue and repeat ourselves. Yeah. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, over and over every night at the bar, arguing about whether or not Macy Gray was in Training Day. Like what yeah. the fuck? These are there are bigger problems. There are bigger problems in my own life, let alone the world. Yeah. <laughs> Ditch ass, punk ass, crooked ass cops. <clears throat> but yeah. Smoking the cigarette. So take care of your dipsomania out there, folks, you dipsomaniacs. Yeah. Keep um, an eye on the D for dipso, dude. And uh, you know, the cravings then nothing nothing lasts forever. It doesn't. So, so enjoy the good and, and you know, weather the bad. Be kind. Be, be careful kind, out there. Be compassionate. And we will uh We'll see wear you next your mask. week, Jerry. Yes. Wear your mask, everybody. Please wear your mask. I know. Just wear it. Just do it. So we can go outside and do stuff again. Yeah. Yeah. Just put that shit on and we'll be fucking rolling by next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mask it or casket, Jerry. Mask it or casket, motherfucker. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at asforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs>